This is The Sharpened, a podcast from Accidents North American Climbing. Welcome back. I recorded this episode of the basement of a vintage building with spotty Wi-Fi while proctoring a 52-day semester course for the Hour Bound School. My students were upstairs running through their woofer scenarios with the incredible Desert Mountain Medicine instructors while I snuck in an interview of an incident that piqued my interest. Um, I want to go ahead and apologize for a couple of places where the recording gets a bit scratchy. There is really nothing that I could do about it in terms of editing. I just need better Wi-Fi. But the reality of the situation is that being on the road consistently makes it challenging for me to find good uninterrupted Wi-Fi, but I promise to try harder. Um, So thanks again for listening. What happens in this episode can actually happen to anyone. It can happen to any outdoor recreator at any moment. It can happen to you. But in this case, it happened to three passionate climbers, Carl, Billy, and Morgan. They were in Little Cottonwood Canyon in Utah on February 14th. I have Carl Deck on the line to tell you all about it. Hi, Carl. How you doing? I'm doing really well. It's good to meet you over the phone. Nice to meet you as well. And can you go ahead and introduce yourself to the to the listeners? Sure. My name is Carl Deck. Um, I own a Utah-based uh, guide service. We guide uh, rock climbing, canyoneering, and river rafting in Moab and in uh, various locations throughout Utah. Uh, I'm a certified uh, AMGA rock instructor, uh, certified single pitch instructor, member of the provider pool for the single pitch instructional program, and an apprentice alpine guide. Pretty impressive resume. Uh, it's been a long time in the making. So Tenacity in pursuit at its finest. <laughs> so Carl, what happened out there? What were you doing? Um, where were you? Do tell. Well, um, this was February 2015. Um, I live in Salt Lake City, and uh, the winter of 2014-2015 was unseasonably warm and dry. Uh, so on February 14th, uh, myself and two buddies found ourselves looking at a forecast for about 75 degrees, um, and we thought, you know, if it's not going to snow and there's no ice climbing, we might as well go rock climbing. So we um, decided to climb the Thumb in Little Cottonwood Canyon. Um, I really wanted to do the upper slab pitches of the S-Direct. I had never done them. I'd only done the classic uh, trough pitches. So we thought it'd be a really cool way to spend a a warm February day. Um, we, uh, We left Salt Lake not particularly early, got up to the hill. It was bright and sunny and really warm and uh hiked in did the approach it's actually i mean by most standards it's not a long approach but by salt lake standards it's one of the kind of longest distances that you can walk from the lot to something in little cottonwood canyon so we did the approach and and racked up and um headed on up um we so i had led the first two pitches of of the classic approach to the thumb and those pitches are are less than stellar. I think if you look on Mountain Project, um, they're basically described, and, and they are correctly described as kind of low-angle gullies. They're punctuated by some a little bit of harder climbing, but really they're kind of – there's large stretches of low-angled rock-strewn gully. What were they and, rated? 
the first two pitches are rated five six, and um, but there's a bunch of terrain that's a bit easier in between the five six climbing, particularly the terrain at the end of the second pitch where the belay is. Uh, above the belay and below the belay is you know five probably zero five one terrain and five it's li- yeah littered with rocks. Um, <clears throat> so we got up there and I led the pitch. Didn't think much about it. Uh, built a pre-equalized kind of classic ponytail anchor and brought up uh, my buddies Morgan and Billy. And we all tethered into that anchor with our climbing ropes and clove hitches and swapped leads. Morgan began to lead the third pitch, um, which is called the indecent, indecent exposure variation. And that pitch goes up and out of the gully um, via the wall on the right and it gets much steeper uh and the the real climbing starts about 30 feet above the belay so morgan you know had climbed up and the we had had a very very cold uh, cold period of time at the end of december early january there was actually um a kind of a freeze thaw cycle and an ice cycle on the north side, south facing side of Little Cottonwood Canyon, that actually led to a new route um, was put up, and and some stuff that hadn't come in in a lot of years came in just for a few days. But it was very cold and very wet, and very frozen for a little bit, and then it had gotten super warm. And Morgan was up on the indecent exposure pitch, and it was it just had kind of this kitty litter freeze thaw kind of bunch of loose rock on on the top and it's not a very aesthetically pleasing pitch either um kind of dual crack systems and there's trees on the right and very loose kind of marbly granite on the left and he had gone up a ways to the left and had come down um and then we had started up right and we were talking about whether we wanted to continue um this exercise we had gotten a late start i think it was about one o'clock in the afternoon we still had i don't know five pitches at that point to go and then the descent which is over a thousand feet so none of the climbing up to that point had been particularly wonderful uh, and what he was looking at going ahead wasn't that appealing and with the short days we were actually talking about going down and um he had noticed on the wall behind him an anchor that I did not know about. It's relatively new. And I had stood up. Uh, I had been sitting in the corner, and I stood up to take a look at this anchor to see if we could use it to wrap off and, and, and leave. And right about that time, a block fell out of the wall beneath Morgan. Um, you know, It probably fell out 10 feet below where he was standing at the time. And my recollection that it was that it was really big, like half a human big. Oh, and, my gosh. And it fell kind of straight down in the air and then hit the gully about maybe 20 feet above me and exploded into what I remember as being like three small kind of microwave, large toaster size blocks. Oh, my gosh. And I was standing there, and my first thought was that this is going to hurt. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
And then I thought that maybe because I was already standing, I could jump out of the way. And as the stuff came at me, um, I jumped up in the air, but unfortunately my tether, like a dog at the end of a leash, I went nowhere. And the next incident was super violent and really fast. I don't, you know, I got hit and I was on my back in the corner with a block on my like stomach in the blink of an eye. Um, so there I was Billy who was tethered to the anchor with me and had about, I don't know, six or seven feet of rope, um, that he was tied to because there was a really good spot to hang out just a little bit lower than me, really comfortable. When he saw this coming, he kind of paddled up the right side of the gully and was able to get out of the way. But when he ran out of steam, um, he kind of fell back in and pendulum back into the corner and loaded the anchor. So we're both, I have a block on my stomach. He's fully weighted on the rope. And I look up to see that all I can see is two pieces of a severed sling. That's all I can see. The, the sling meaning that was part, was the sling part the of the anchor. anchor? Yeah. All I can see is the two legs of the severed anchor. Oh um, my gosh. So you're, you're both hanging on. We Bye. were hanging the intact leg, but I couldn't really see it. Um, so I just told Billy to unweight the anchor and he didn't know what I was talking about. I just said, get off the anchor. So he came up to me and he was able to see that we were hanging on one side of the pre-equalized anchor. Um, he quickly clipped into, I don't know what, but back that up and got the block off of me. And then we kind of took stock of what had just happened. And, uh, Carl, can you, can you actually explain how you built the anchor? So what I did was I brought it down and I tied an overhand and made made a master point so that each leg uh, is independent and won't extend if either the bolts go away or one side is severed. Uh, and that is something that I most commonly do. Uh, the other option is to use a Magic X and a, or a Magic X with load limiting knots. And throughout climbing, people discuss, you know, the Magic X and, and one of the components of the anchor going away and limiting knots to limit extension. But there, I've never seen a discussion about what happens if the materials get cut. And in this case, if the same thing had happened to an anchor built with a Magic X, Billy and I would have went down the gully and over the next 80-foot drop, and there's no way it would have been survivable. So... In this case, um, you know, tying a pre-equalized anchor with an overhand knot saved saved us. There's no question in my mind that 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 saved us. Can you explain to the listeners what a magic X is? So a magic X is when you you clip a sling to two bolts uh, and you bring down one of one or the other of the um, hanging loops needs to be twisted so that it goes into an X so that the carabiners that are placed in that master point or that connection don't just slide out of the sling if one of the bolts goes away. Um, and it was, the Magic X was developed in reaction to the fact that people would just clip two bolts, hang a carabiner over the sling clip between the two bolts, but then that's not it in the system actually or in the materials it's just over the top so if one of the bolts were to fail the carabiner slides off the end and the anchor goes away mm. so the magic x was developed to 
prevent that from happening. And it also allows the anchor to self-equalize as the direction of pull changes. Um, but in this case, I'm certainly glad that we didn't use one. I don't think that they're a bad idea, uh, you know, in certain applications, but I do think that if there is a danger from above, objected hazard of rockfall, um, you definitely want to think about using that as an anchor choice. People think it's quick and easy, you know, and then you just twist one of the strands, it makes an X, you clip a carabiner in it. But it extends, and it's not redundant. And yeah, and, and and also, how much quicker is it to to do an imagine X versus just doing an overhand? It, um, it's it's not. If it really. saves your life, I mean, how far <laughs> do you say you and Morgan would have fallen if you guys did go? Uh, we would have rolled down the gully, which was probably we would have went a hundred feet plus. But you know, the gully was low angle, but then it ended in a in a steep five six pitch that was probably forty or sixty or seventy feet long. I don't know. I you know, we would have rolled down the gully and went over a cliff. Is so you a been, real cliff? Either di- you would have died or either been very mangled. Yes, without a doubt. There's no question in my mind about that. Wow. Yeah. That's that's amazing. That's very eye-opening. Uh, it was for me because, you know, you think about the, 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 the possibility, you know, uh, you basically got 12 inches between the carabiner and the carab- – between the carabiner and the, and the bolt. That's all of the material hanging there. And the possibility that a rock would come and sever that you know, is, is so minute, um, that it's just, it's not discussed. Like the, the, the idea that the material, the anchor could be cut by something is just never discussed when people are talking about using magic X's. They're only talking about failure of one of the bolts or one of the component, one of the components. And in this case, the sling, I have a picture of the sling post-accident, it was cut so close to the master point that it most likely would have been cut inside a load-limiting knot if I had tied one on the carabiner side of the load-limiting knot if I had tied one, which you know would have also caused us to go off the sling and down down the cliff. So, can can you send me those photos? Um, and then, absolutely, and then we'll post those up for the show, and so people can actually see exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, um, I can. Yeah, I've got a really photo. Important. Yeah, I have a photo of of the anchor as it hung right after the accident with the smashed the smashed hanger and the bent carabiner and the severed sling. It, it's so. also kind of mind blowing and and terrifying um that Morgan wasn't even standing on that block. It wasn't like he I mean he was above that that block that fell. He was. He had climbed past the part of the cliff that had fallen out probably, I would say, a full 10 minutes earlier is where he passed the block that fell out and, and was standing above it, nowhere near it, no near no gear in it. Um, the rope wasn't touching it. Uh, it just – some unlucky combination of geologic time and – and I don't know if he brushed past it going by it or what, but something, you know, I, I, I think about this occasionally and I think about like that last little crystal of granite that collapsed. It's like that last snowflake that falls before the avalanche goes um, and how that, 
you know, something broke and something changed that allowed that block to fall out while we were there. And uh, it just boggles my mind that, you know, we were involved with that. Yeah, we're, we're, and we're there to witness it and, and experience it and, <laughs> and almost get almost die from it. Yeah, I, I got pretty hurt. Um, I ended up breaking my the end of my fibula and my um, my navicular bone, which is the little fake ankle that you have below your inside ankle bone. Um, I think my foot got crushed between a falling block and the actual cliff face. And then both of my legs from just below my knees down were were all smashed up and cut up and I got stitches and so both legs were were pretty messed up after um, things came to settle. So and did you self evac then? We did. Um, you know, we we kind of took stock of what was going on and evaluated my injuries. I could not tell that my leg was broken. Um, my foot was super swollen really quickly and I had a big gash on my other leg that was, it was obvious it was going to need stitches. I could see my shin bone. Um, but I couldn't tell if my leg was broken. Um, but it also was not, you know, debilitating. Um, so we did a bit of first aid and we took, uh, stock of what we had left for rope because I had actually been kind of sitting on or, next to the pile that I made when I belayed Billy and Morgan up. Uh, and when I got up and was standing next to the anchor, those ropes were fully exposed and they took the full blunt of something. There were like 13 different core shots, I think, to the oh, two ropes that we had. Gosh, thir- that's insane. Yeah, they were pretty banged up. Um, luckily, most were at the end somehow and... Um, we also just kind of made, we did have to use one, we, we double rope repelled off. We still had to use the rope that was cut, partially cut. And we just made the decision that on the terrain that we were going to repel, that the ropes as they were, would work. Um, we're still had more than enough margin of error for us to repel on. So we rigged the repels and we got down. Um, and that was something that really, was shocking to me, you know, having some first aid training, a woofer recertifying, talking about evacuation plans, you know, doing mock, doing scenarios and first aid trainings. I've never really been part of a rescue or, and certainly not the rescuee, but it is really hard to do any of that stuff when someone's really hurt, like repelling off those pitches, um, with, one broken leg and one messed up leg was way harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, it, it was, uh, really time consuming and, uh, not even all that painful, but just really difficult. So we got down to the base and then the walk that took us about an hour to do on the way in took almost three on the way out. Um, there was no way to kind of assist me. It's super narrow, super steep. I did a bunch of just butt sliding and a little bit of crawling and then lower down when it gets a little wider and not in the scrub oak I was able to get a find a stick and use it as a crutch and and hobble and you know basically get my way back to the car and then off to the hospital wow yeah it was quite the afternoon happy um valentine's day (laughs) 
Um, was it actually Valentine's Day? No, you know, it was two days before. Oh, no, it was. February 14th. It was February 14th. That's strange. I'm surprised they went climbing on Valentine's Day. Um, but yeah, it was happy Valentine's Day, I guess. <laughs> the rock showing you some love. Yeah, totally. In some sick, twisted sort of way. Yep. <laughs> well, I'm really glad to hear that you're you're good now. And um, have you been climbing since? Yeah, uh, this didn't really, um, you know, I've had a couple of other issues. I've been climbing for different, you know, since I've been climbing for 18 years um, and I've had and seen a couple of other things that I think have, have given me more pause uh, than this actual accident. I haven't been involved in any other accident in any other form. Um, a couple of, of close calls or near misses that I think have kind of given me pause, more pause than this. I think this has just really served to, uh, you know, just remind me and, and Billy and Morgan that um, especially on, you know, less frequently traveled kind of bigger routes that stuff moves around and um, to just be incredibly heads up um you know we had gotten to there and tiptoed and danced through a bunch of a bunch of loose rock and and bombs and and done really well and this one you know this one we didn't even really have a part in we were just kind of unlucky in the unlucky and in the wrong place at the wrong time but i think it, it really just goes to to it's just really it kind of makes me think it makes me think about objective hazard about what's above me um every time i go out now so okay do you see what i'm saying carl was just out with a couple of his buddies to run up something he's been eyeing in his backyard seems okay right we all do it and then all of a sudden a human sized block comes off at a random time in a random place, his rope wasn't even running next to that block. Um, and it shoots down the same goalie that they're in and bam, explodes into pieces, severing his anchor, leaving multiple core shots in his rope, injuring him and nearly causing two lives. So um, having this conversation with Carl has inspired me to be um, even more intentional about, about anchor building. Um, which system am I going to use when I top out? Think about it. Accidents in North American Climbing is an annual publication of the American Alpine Club with frequent online reports and updates. If you're a member, check your mailbox this month. You'll be receiving your free color edition of Accidents. To learn more, visit AmericanAlpineClub.org. Until the next episode... Play hard and be smart.